Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. I am so grateful today uh, to be honored as a guest host, uh, uh, yours truly, Natasha Washington, uh, along with uh, Desiree Bradley and Karen Lemire. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. Awesome day here in Chicago. How are you doing in, in Texas, Desiree? I'm doing great. It's a little colder for our Texas blood, but not nothing like Chicago cold. But you know, we're we're doing okay. Yeah, I know nothing like Chicago cold. So don't even try to do the comparison. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I, the other thing I'm excited about is that it's close to the holiday season. And, uh, you know, it's just a beautiful time to spend with uh, family and friends. It's an honor to uh, be able to be in a, a conversation with you ladies on today about some important topics. Um, I guess we can just jump right in and, and get started. So, you know, Desiree, there is a whole lot of work that's being done in hospitals across the country in health networks that I've seen um, and or been involved with uh, that really is focused on the patient. And I guess that's that's the reason why you named this podcast Patients First. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Absolutely. So, so tell me a little bit about patient engagement and what this work really looks like today. What do you mean by patient engagement? What does it look like today? You know, um, patient engagement, and, and it sounds a bit overwhelming when you hear it, patient engagement, but you can start at any level where you are. So let's say, say for instance, when I started in my patient engagement work, I was green as grass. I didn't know anything about healthcare improvement and quality, and I just started the conversation with my healthcare providers in my daughter's hospital. I saw things that needed to change and I felt it in my spirit that, oh, you know, the patients can give some input in this work. And so I just started the conversation with our leaders to say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And then I graduated to engaging leadership in safety initiatives. And then I graduated into national projects. So Patient engagement is done on many different levels, and I just urge patients to get involved. So when you talk about getting involved, if I were to try to convince my mother to get involved or my aunt um, to get involved as we sit around the table eating turkey uh, this Thanksgiving, <laughs> how would you how would you describe it? Like, what would you tell them? Yeah, Absolutely. You know, I am uh, the caregiver of my mom. She had a stroke and had some communication difficulties. 
And I'm, I'm from the Deep South. And so here in the Deep South, the culture is the doctor is God and, and patients really just take whatever the physicians give them. But now we're trying to catapult that into a new era. And so let's take my mom, for instance. We went into an appointment, and although she doesn't have a lot of expressive language, she can write and kind of communicate to me what she wants. And the physician didn't engage her at all. And she left the appointment very broken, I would say. And so I told her, I said, well, would you like to get another uh, physician? Would you like me to have a conversation? And she started writing, new doctor. And I said, okay, let's take a step back. So we went into the next appointment. And I told her, I said, you write down everything that you want the physician to know. And she started writing, writing different things, writing different things on the paper and handed it to him. And he read it. And I could see like the light bulb kind of click off in his mind to say, oh, my goodness. You know, I had no idea that she could give input. And what went from him coming to appointments, not engaging the patients, more so engaging the caregivers, he started to give something simple as a notepad and a piece of paper, a pencil, to his patients that come in that may have had, he sees a lot of stroke victims that have communication issues. So that's something that she did in her own space that impacted all his patients in his clinic. That's awesome. So the example that you just gave me is a great example of how to simply improve communication. Mm -hmm. And I guess what I'm getting from this discussion is that improving communication um, actually starts another level of engagement between a physician and a patient. So when a patient is actually coming prepared, so what you're saying is that your mother has this piece of paper and now, you know, she's writing, you know, things even before the the clinic visit uh, down so that she doesn't forget, right? Yeah. And so they're in a deeper conversation, a conversation that is, is more meaningful. There's another term um, that I've heard um, uh, within recent, and it it's around this whole person. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about whole person and the importance to partnering and engaging with caregivers? Absolutely. You know, we're, and I say we because we are the community of, of patients and healthcare providers together. You know, whole person is whatever happens to that particular patient, it, ha- it affects the entire dynamic of the family, whether it's Like, I I have a daughter that has a complex medical condition. So when she's in the hospital, I'm in there with her, so we go together. It impacts her siblings. It impacts my husband, his work, her brother in college. And so whole person mythology is the patient in the middle and everybody around them is affected by that. And so it's very important for our healthcare community to not only engage the patient, but also those caregivers. It could be the neighbor that's taking, you know, the, the elderly lady in the in the neighborhood to the appointment. We need to engage the entire community that affects that patient. That's awesome. So Karen, let me ask you uh, really quickly because as a care provider, I, I'm just interested in your thoughts around this whole person concept and what that means in terms of engaging patients and caregivers. Any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that it's absolutely important for the providers to learn from patients. So not only are we there to take care of the patients, but also to ensure that the circumstances are 
um, set up perfectly for the patient to be able to heal and to have their needs be met. So that includes, of course, engaging with the patient, learning what's important for them, learning what's important to them, and learning what their needs are, and then making sure that the accommodations are made through the whole care team to make sure that everything is set up so the patient's job is to heal and take care of themselves, and the support network around them is empowered to know what to do to help enable that healing process along. And certainly we find in research that engaged patients and patients where their um, care needs are met and they understand their condition and how to um, approach the care needs that they need, whether it's for themselves or from their caregivers to the patient, that their healing is better, their outcomes are better. Um, of course, everybody is happier and more satisfied, but most importantly, their health care outcomes are better. So we have better healing, better results, better return of functionality, all of that. There is certainly a large component of um, mental health and awareness and attitude that plays a role in healing. And so that's very important that the patients and family and caregivers' needs are being heard by providers. And we're able to recognize that and address those issues. That's an awesome way of putting it, Karen, you know, that balance uh, with regards to the mental and the physical and and uh, and I would even add the the spiritual as as well uh, as being equal uh, partners in any anyone's healing process. So that's that's really good uh, information. When I think about you, Desiree, there's um I think about the fact that you are not new to this work, right? Uh, and and so when I first uh, met you years ago. I know that you were associated then, and I believe you're still associated with now the Children's Miracle Network um, hospitals. You were one of the ambassador families uh, for them, but I know you're also, you know, affiliated with the American College of Physicians. You're a patient advisor there. Um, you're also doing work with our federal government. So um, CMS, you are working with the Office of Minority Health as a patient representative, um, you've also served, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the Society to Improve Diagnos- Diagnosis in uh, Medicine. You've been a patient partner on some collaborative work. So you've got a long history, TCPI, PFE faculty. I mean, you got a long <laughs> resume of all these great, yeah. you know, networks that you're involved with. And we really want to, you know, share the good news of, of, you know, this work that you've been engaged in and and, you know, the impact that it's made. Can you talk a little bit about the impact that this work has made, um, you know, the work that you've done with any of these networks? Yeah, absolutely. The list can get a bit lengthy, but I want to say that it, it goes to show you that patient engagement and patient and family engagement work is catching on. You know, way back when, I would say even 10, 15 years ago, None of these organizations were really partnering with patients. It was an us and them kind of culture. And so the fact that me as just, I started out as just a caregiver for my daughter, given just my little input where I could, and it's kind of snowballed all all the way up to the national level. And I've seen where we, especially in TCPI, where we have not only showed where the patients have had dramatic outcomes, but we've reduced the cost of care. We've saved a lot of money and at the same time improving 
outcome. So it's a win-win for everybody. It's a win-win for me and my family. It's a win-win for my neighbors because all of us, healthcare costs affects all of us. That's good stuff. So (laughs) improving quality, saving costs, improving safety, uh, and and not just impacting it, you know, for for you and your loved ones, your family, but for your neighbors to to your um, point, and for the communities, right? Of uh, that the hospitals that you're working with um, have served, and even on some of these national panels that you've been active with, you know how you're impacting our health system on a national uh, level. Uh, the the other part of it is Karen. Even um, just you know, kind of thinking about some of the work uh, that that I've even done. So you know, I've partnered with patient centered primary care collaborative. So there's you know, Marilyn Francis out there giving her a shout out. Woohoo, Marilyn! As a former executive for Consumers Advancing Patient Safety and the work that I did when I was with CAPS and developing its uh, patient network and and really getting education, you know, pushed out there to patients and uh, collaborating with agencies like AIR, Dr. Tom Workman and Lee Thompson, you know, other folks that really, really, really believe in having patients as partners in this work. I know PFCC partners with Libby Hoy is another uh, network, Desiree, that you collaborate with and that I've certainly have collaborated with over the years. And so they're just, you know, hosts and hosts of, of, of these various networks out there that, you know, folks can, can get involved with as a patient or as a caregiver uh, really to, to help improve our health system. Karen, can you share with us just maybe a couple, um, a minute or so about the work that you've done uh, before in identifying patients for some of these networks? Because I know you, through you know your work and partnering with me and others, uh, you know, have uh, done recruitment, you know, looking for patients to be active voices at the table with these various conversations um, that are going on to improve quality. Can you talk a little bit about that process for us? Absolutely. So in collaboration with um, AIR and ultimately the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services or CMS or what people think of as Medicare, um, we have actually... Um, done extensive work in identifying patients so we can, I like to say, infuse the voice of the patient in our work as we try to improve quality outcomes. So that involves finding, identifying, and recruiting patients who have stories or experiences that they're willing to share with providers, healthcare organizations, um, healthcare improvement associations, and, and collaboratives and using their experiences as patients, whether it was um, a negative event that happened or a positive experience that happened, and conveying that information so we can be more mindful of the patient and family experience while trying to conduct quality improvement activities. We also have done work, um, again, in collaboration with CMS or Medicare and Vivian, which is an organization that works in the healthcare space as a prominent organization where we actually did research to try to measure and identify the relationship of involving patients in quality improvement activities. And we definitely found that there was a significant link between the two. 
In fact, organizations, when we spoke to them, as they are leaders in engaging patients in their work, said that when they first started incorporating patients, some of them were unsure what the role would be. But after the first or second meeting and in integrating patients within their work into the actual operations and quality improvement work at the hospital level, everybody acknowledged that they could not do the work without them. So leveraging patients' experiences and also having patients aid in the training and operational improvement work within the hospital really merges the two worlds together. So um, it really makes for a more collaborative and more cohesive approach to really meeting the needs of the patients because ultimately, like the name of the podcast, Patients First, ultimately our work is for helping patients and putting their needs first to make sure that we can um, have healthy patients and positive outcomes. So it has really been tremendous work that we're excited to be continuing and building upon so we can really um, roll out even more engagement and engage more patients within the quality improvement work because we know their involvement has a positive impact. So we want to infuse it even more. Yeah, that's, uh, thanks, thanks, Karen. Um, that's a really great uh, comment. You just... I was sitting here thinking as I'm listening to you that, you know, many folks think they know me um, in terms of, you know, just the work uh, that I've done with many of the organizations that I've even talked about. But one thing that a lot of folks uh, don't uh, necessarily know about me is that uh, when I started my consulting firm, that consulting firm really was started the genesis of the sense of urgency that I had around needing to engage patients and families more. And that was through my own experience when I lost my father due to a preventable medical error. So you could only imagine as a healthcare professional working in an industry for at that time, it was 10 plus years or so, and, you know, really developing my way professionally. And then to lose him in a system that I had invested my life and was 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 really devastating and it really changed my perspective in the sense that I knew that we had issues but the level and the rate at which those issues were occurring within our health system is what the clarion call was for me and the fact that the health system where my dad, uh, where his care was being provided, that that health system really did not offer or extend an open opportunity for us to engage uh, in meaningful conversation to really understand the truth about what had happened um, in his in his case. And so, uh, you know, being just, you know, the, the human being that I am, I just knew it was wrong, you know, not just from a healthcare administrative standpoint, I knew it was wrong from a moral and ethical, you know, standpoint. And it was at that point that I really, uh, like I said, felt that sense of urgency around the matter and, and uh, uh, shortly thereafter uh, launched my business, ATW Health uh, Solutions, uh, which is really uh, to his legacy, the work that I do in, in quality improvement. So, uh, you you are you ladies are absolutely uh, correct. This is really 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 important work. 
uh, and patients are impacting um, this work in a in a very powerful and 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 meaningful way. So, uh, Desiree, I I hear you know there's a lot that I hear about you know patient and family advisory councils and you know hospitals are doing that. So I guess that's one way you know that. Uh, patients can get involved. So the health systems that you're being cared for, I would definitely uh, challenge any uh, patient and or caregiver, uh, you know, that's listening to this podcast to reach out to your nearby um, health system, or it can even be uh, an ambulatory uh, network that you uh, might be receiving care and find out if there is a patient and family advisory council. And if so, you know, if there's an opportunity that you might be able to uh, get engaged or get involved with the work there. Uh, but then Desiree and, and Karen, I know there's just so many other, you know, networks that exist out there, but all the more excited about, you know, the work that you're doing uh, Desiree with the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Can you talk a little bit about why the, you know, PPIC, why the Patient Partner Innovation Community is so dear to your heart, why it's so important to you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, like I said, I've been kind of sprinkled in this healthcare quality improvement PSE community for quite some time. And I felt like I needed a space create a space where there was a true, true need for true collaboration. And we want to also promote diversity and inclusion because I'll be perfectly honest, a lot of times when I um, attend different meetings, it, it looks the same. And I'm the only one, the only minority group being you know, um, African-American female involved in this work. And I see the need that there needs to be more inclusion and diversity in healthcare quality improvement. And so the patient partner innovation community is going to be that space where we're going to touch points all aspects of the community, no matter what racial, ethnic, ethnicity you are, whether, well, your sexual orientation, different uh, places you live around this, actually around the world. We really want to promote that inclusion and push out positive, positive, positive innovation. And so it's a space for patients to come and also give us your ideas. What is it that you want to see in your healthcare community? What do you want to improve? What can we work together to kind of promote this innovation? Know that word is powerful, innovation in healthcare. Yeah, you know, what a lot of folks don't understand is there is a real science behind equity. <laughs> you know, there is a real science to diversity and inclusion. And, you know, people talk a lot about it, but you don't see a lot of it always present. And so I, I really appreciate you bringing that to the forefront because that was one of the other impetuses around uh, my work in in quality improvement was the lack of uh, varying voices and the lack of diversity in terms of representation of where those voices were coming from. And one, one of the things that I often um, challenge folks with is I ask them, who are the voices unheard? You know, I'm not interested in, you know, who are those individuals that, you know, raise their hand when you ask the question the first or second time. But, you know, who are those folks in the room that typically don't respond or that you, you're you not always hearing from? And 
and what di- what diversity and inclusion looks like in one particular area or one for one health system could look very different for another health system. And so we have to be very uh, mindful of that, and you have to be very intentful um, around it. And so I'm glad um, that you have that as a focus. Uh, with the uh, network uh, of, of of patients that that you've engaged, uh, any any other uh, thoughts that you might want to share? How can uh, individuals get involved with the work that you're doing? Okay, one main thing is come join our come join our community. We want you guys to be a part of our community. We can be found at ppiconline.com ppiconline.com, ppiconline.com. And that's just one way. And we'll be happy to kind of connect you with opportunities. But look, you can start at many levels. You can start at your community level, right? So when you go in, everybody at some point is a patient. And if you go into your healthcare organization and you see things that you might want to change or you just want to give some input, whether it's a positive or negative experience, speak up, engage. It's a huge misconception from the healthcare aspect that patients don't want to be engaged. Patients feel like it's a burden. And that is the total opposite. What I found is patients often feel honored when we're, we're asked to become engaged because most of the time we haven't been asked. So from a patient's perspective, I would say start that conversation and speak up. Natasha, you talked about the advisory council. That's great. I would urge your organization, if they don't have an advisory council, to get one. Get with your peers. You can start your advisory council. You can come to ppiconline.com, reach out to us, and we can help you kind of facilitate and guide you in how to structure it with no problem. And then lastly, on the national level, you guys heard that I've done some work with CMS. There's lots of opportunities for you to be engaged. CMS is our big federal payer. They want to hear from you. They have made it a priority to become patient and family centered and be more engaged. I'm a patient. I am a faculty member for their uh, TCPI collaborative in just that aspect. So there's lots of opportunities. Again, reach out to us at ppiconline.com and we can connect you with those opportunities. And so I know I got the Facebook request too. So the patient part of innovation community is also a Facebook. So, uh, you know, be certain to check out uh, Desiree and her team uh, and, and the great work that they are doing. Well, I just want to thank you, ladies, for, um, you know, joining um, this morning. This has been a really great um, conversation. In terms of, you know, patient advocacy, Desiree, you always just bring such a rich value to the community in terms of, you know, the folks that you're engaging, the content that you're bringing, the resources. And so we're just so grateful for continuously having you at the table. And thank you, Kara, for joining me uh, this afternoon so that we can educate patients. So again, we just want to thank you for um, joining the Patients First podcast. And until next time, be healthy. Hi, this is Desiree Bradley, and I want you to be engaged. Why don't you come join me at Patient Partner Innovation Community? That's PPIC, P-P-I-C-Online.com. And don't forget to join us on Facebook as well. This is Dr. Kelly Smith, and I'd just like to thank the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality for their sponsorship of the podcast and for their commitment to improving patient safety by engaging patients and families. 
please go to www.patientsafety.org for more information about CAPS and to download this podcast or others. We also have tools and resources to show how patients can better partner with their health providers. This is Helen Haskell from Consumers Advancing Patient Safety. On behalf of Consumers Advancing Patient Safety, I'd like to thank you all for tuning into our podcast and ask you to have a safe and healthy day.